Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason. And we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. That's bad. 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 Ooh, ooh, Tom, do you feel it? Do you feel the finale? Do you feel the the f- f- finality-ness? That's the word. The finality? The, the, no, finality-ness. The finality-ness. The yeah. Yeah, of, of the situation. I feel the weight of this finale bearing down yeah. upon us. Hi, everyone. Like, like the end of days, Dave. Yeah. Yes, it's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger Like the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, End of Days. <laughs> This is uh, our final episode of yeah. Bad Adaptations. Uh, it's the last one ever. Yeah, uh, that's ever going to exist. Yep. Never doing this ever again. Yep, unless we do it again. Unless we but, do it again. Yeah, this is it. This is the finale. The big mm-hmm. F. Uh, <laughs> the big F. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm, Hello, I, did everyone. Did I say my name? Dave, David Bell, my name. That's my name. That's your name. Tom Ryman, my name. Yes. And... Um, a big old sloppy thank you to our producer Grumblebee, our Patreon producer Grumblebee that made this series happen. Everybody, clap! Thank you. Clap, 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 clap. That's the sound of clapping. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have a studio um, audience in here. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we, re- oh, we record. We, we record one. every one of these live. I don't know if live you guys knew in- that. Live in front of an audience who just doesn't care for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a fucking silent theater. Packed. Packed. I don't know why they come. <laughs> They're all doing other things. <laughs> yeah. It's like when a They're band unexpectedly fans. starts setting up at a restaurant you're at. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, oh, I, didn't, no. I didn't want this. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> um, if people aren't on the up and up with this series which has been a, uh, a very good series if i may say so we've been going through a series of adaptations movie adaptations to be specific of original source materials of various types and uh you know talking about uh the quality of those uh, i should be more specific we've been going through adaptations that have been traditionally considered bad mm-hmm. adaptations Bad adaptations. It's right. Bad adaptations. Right there in the yeah. title, and not necessarily, not maybe not necessarily bad adaptations, but bad movies. Right. Well, because I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure that some. We of started, for example, with Hulk, a movie that I like. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I just meant that some of these movies might not necessarily have like the popular consensus might not have been specifically that they were bad adaptations it may have just been that they were just considered bad movies right right i get what you're saying yeah, yeah. it's not about it's not about <laughs> i don't know why we're breaking this down but i we don't are. know why i'm doing it either i don't know why i did this um, to us dave i'm sorry it's not about the quality of how you know for example the shining is a is a bad adaptation of a book and a very good movie um so it's not about that we're t- we're talking simply about movies that are considered to be bad uh, by some metric that also happen to be adaptations. And I want to say by some metric, because we're talking today about the Da Vinci Code, 2006. Now, mm, the Ron Howard thriller. Yeah. And that, um, it made money. This is, but financially speaking, this movie is not bad. Of course. Um, how, how could it have been? Uh, if you however, were, yeah, okay. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> it is considered bad in terms of ratings. That's all. It is, uh, uh, by uh, any metric, it is not liked. And so, um, in this case, that is the bad of it all, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the stink. The stink of the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. And full disclosure, Tom. 
Yeah. I enjoy this movie. Do you do you really, Dave? Yeah. You really Not, really you enjoy this movie. I enjoy this movie. I also know why it's bad. I know okay. why people don't enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know why me, is Treasure Hunts. <laughs> I love a good Treasure Hunt movie. Yeah, and of to course. me, it's like, like is if you know, like people like heroin. Like they're really into heroin, right? People yeah. who like heroin, they're they're heroin. It, it doesn't matter so much how it's dressed up. You're just really into heroin. Exactly. So, like, even if it's not good heroin, mm-hmm. you like it. It's still uh, heroin. Yeah, and this is similar, which is like this is a treasure hunt movie. Uh, you know, there's just some extent of it that I'm <laughs> it's kind of like. a treasure hunting movie. I mean, there, it's a holy grail. It's a grail hunt. It's sort of that. Really, it's all right. it is, really, all it is, is characters traveling from one location to another to receive exposition. Characters, that is, I'm that sorry, is the Tom. entire film. It's characters escaping from one location to another just to be more specific <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get into that it's it's da- what dan brown it's dan brown yeah. basically going, going what if the grail was a vagina because those are kind of like cups and then he made um a, you know billions of dollars um so much money if if you guys those those list those of, of you listeners who were alive um in 2003 or i guess old enough and uh, to be aware of pop culture this book was everywhere, and it came out in two thousand three, and it was it was in it was printed in hardcover for like a, an unusually long amount of time. It was so popular, right? And if you've read the book, I read the book after seeing the movie, and like I, am, I read the book before seeing the movie, which is going to have a lot to do with what I want to talk about. Today oh, okay. With this film, well, let's get into our first section. The question is, what makes a good adaptation of this? And I want to note, having read the book and seen the movie. The book might as well have been written in screenplay format. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's yeah. very like the end of each chapter is so it's a, if you've never read it, it's a really corny book, but it's undeniably like it hooks you in. And I argue a very cheap way, but it still hooks you. But I, I say it's corny in that no joke, just about every single chapter ends in some sort of cliffhanger, but like in a real hackneyed, like, yeah. Like your first creative writing class sort of cliffhanger. Like, he opened the door and... It's right. like shit like that. Right, where it's like, okay, he either was like TV show or movie. Um, yeah, he was clearly writing it with a movie in mind. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. But oh, it is uh, it is full of like little... I, like, I understand why people ate the book up and I thought the book was fine. You know, it's, it's full of these little weird riddles well, and brain teasers and stuff, but... Yeah, I want to talk about that because... So... A name I want to bring up is Michael Crichton, who I think does a better version of this, which mm-hmm. is that this is, it's pulp. This is kind of trash. The it's, it's, it, it, like, I'm glad you brought up Michael Crichton. That's actually a really good comparison that I never thought of because it's also junk science. Like most of this is bunk. Yes. Yes, there's an entire Wikipedia section on this devoted to how inaccurate it is. When yeah. he's like, and it happened on Friday the 13th, and that's how they got the name. And it's like, I'm pretty sure you're just making, like, it's a it's the ultimate dad film in that it's it's people, it's like a dude just making shit up. Um, the well, idea all, that Da Vinci's like those... painting would be evidence of anything, like, yeah. it's very silly. It's so dumb. And, it, like, the, the inciting, inc- well, okay, so... This first section, we got to stay on topic. The topic of this first section is what makes a good adaptation of this story. Right. And I, I do want to start because my notes are about this book is pulp. It's the Sudoku puzzle of reading. And what I mean by that, and it, it's not an insult. Again, I like this movie. Um, it's just clever enough for you to feel clever. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's, it's designed to feel smart, but not actually be smart and i want to spoil (laughs) all the smart guy stuff that tom hanks does in the movie is obvious to the point of being funny right because they want us the reader to also feel smart so like the reverence that they put in the scene where he's solving the cryptex and he's like it's a it's all we know is it's around sir isaac newton it's a five-letter word and they treat it's it an like orb this really with, with fleshy skin and a seeded yeah. bloom or something and, it's and like the most like, important orb of isaac out. newton's career yeah yeah <laughs> it's like yeah a child could have figured that out it's that a, it was apple it's a mystery for like an hour of this movie yeah of, of this movie's endless runtime by the way yeah yeah oh yeah um We'll talk about that. But I think what it is is the actual thing Dan Brown was good at writing this. 
um, isn't it's not about uh, intelligence. It's not about cleverness. It's about just making a story that feels clever. The best example is the spoilers twist at the very end, which is where uh, the body is. Where yeah. Mary is. Where Ma- Mary Magdalene's bones reside. They, cr- they created this riddle. And they go to this church. Um, and in the church, it matches the riddle, right? The blade and the chalice matching uh, uh, with the, the master's loving art. All this stuff, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so it's this church. And then it feels clever when you go, oh, the riddle also applies to the Louvre. Mm-hmm. However, all he did was write a riddle around the Louvre and then make up a fictional church, one right. imagines, yeah. that also fits it. So it feels more clever than it is. Um, he just he wrote, a, he wrote a riddle that was about the Louvre specifically that made up fake other red herrings. And you, right. anyone could do that. That's easy to do. It's a, it's a book that is based entirely around... Uh, real simple riddles and and word games and like anagrams and stuff like that. And he basically turns that into a narrative, like a chase story. Right. Where they're getting chased across Paris and they have to solve a couple of puzzles at each location they go to and they'll escape just in time. And, you know, um, right. So I think to make a good adaptation of it, you have to, it's the same kind of thing with, um, Maybe not Indiana Jones, but with like a uh, maybe a national treasure. But it's like it's it's what you were saying. It's you have to make the audience feel like they're along for the ride, but they're also kind of steering a little bit. Like they have to feel in on it. This is one of those yeah. movies where it's like it's kind of like part of the appeal is that it's giving audiences like a, a peek into like some sort of insider or very obscure subculture. And it's right. the idea of this like art history and symbology, which I'm pretty sure is not actually a field of study. Um, right. Again, it's but, it's the Crichton of it all. It's junk yeah. science explained with a very assertive voice. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way that, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's it, you 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 feel like you feel like you're the one outsmarting Jean Reno, who's the the French detective in this movie right. that's convinced Tom Hanks is the murderer. Right, and you feel like the stuff you're hearing, or you're like, yeah, that seems accurate. Like, that's the thing about, when this book came out, I remember that idea of people being like, the church doesn't want you to know about this movie, and it was, like, controversial, and it's like, he's just making shit up. Like, it's not controversial in the way that they're making, people are, like, hyping it to be if, like, there's some deep truth in this. Right, like, all the... (laughs) Most of the stuff they cite, like that, like Ian McKellen's whole long thing, and like all the evidence, like it's mostly bullshit. Like it's mostly just yeah. stuff he made up for the movie. So, yeah. But and, and anyway, so I think that's one component of it. the The other component of the what made the book so successful is that it moves. Like I said, like it's corny, but each chapter ends in like a way that you have to keep reading. Um, so yeah. there is this, like, the the book has, it moves quickly. It's actually, despite how um, how much, like, exposition and how much of, like, this hidden world of grail history and, like, the, the Priory of Zion is supposed to protect the bloodline of Jesus and all this stuff they cram in it, it does actually have a pretty quick pace. And there's this this crazed monk who beats himself and is he's like murdering people trying to find his way to the grail. And it, yep. it's, it manages to spin a lot of plates, but um, the chapters are short and quick. So it just, you, you check in with each storyline rapidly enough as you keep going. And it, it really does maintain the, the, this pace of like, it feels urgent. It feels like a chase and it carries you all the way to the end. I think the movie fucked that up really badly because I think Well, that's the, our next segment. Well, this is what well yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what that's what what makes a good adaptation is you have to keep you you have to keep that pace. Cuz yeah. that's the it's the other component of the book. It's not just this junk science that was like it's fun. You know, it's a fun conspiracy. This is back when conspiracy theories were kind of fun still. Oh, for sure. So it's like a fun conspiracy theory. It makes people feel smart. The riddles are Everybody likes a brain teaser. These are all obvious, but still, they're fun. Like, everybody likes riddles. Uh, you mentioned... Um, s- yeah, anyway. 
It's oh, got no, bo- sorry. Bo- those, those are the two components, is it has to have those fun riddles that make you feel like you're in on it, and it's got to also have that quick pace, in my opinion. Yes. Um, I would argue what makes a good adaptation of this, you mentioned National Treasure, is it needed a little more of that. Um, I think if I were looking at this book and adapting it, I would actually say, okay, first thing, we actually have to change it a bit. More. Yes. Um, we, uh, we, we have to make it kind of more fun. Um, and so I think that's a good way to get into what did the movie get wrong. Um, uh, uh, because you were kind of hinting at it. I'll just say it. This is a book story. And what I mean by that is that um, it's a lot of people explaining shit uh, that's fun to read about. Mm-hmm. But when you then take those people and stick them in a room and have them for like fucking eight to ten minutes, just talk back and forth, it is boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a read. Like that's the that's the whole thing. Right. Like when you watch when you read Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park does this thing as a book where they explain a lot of things in lengthy detail that then Spielberg knew to not do. Because it's like, I don't need people sitting around explaining things. Or you truncate Um, it. Like he takes, like there's a million, there's like three or four, or maybe even more, there's a handful of conversations in the book where it's just Malcolm exhaustively explaining some aspect of chaos theory. They they condense that entirely into the Jeep scene where he drops water on on Ellie's hand. Yes, but if you were, say, at at an airport or just had time to read a book, that shit is fun. Or like on a road trip, which is how I first consumed the book Jurassic Park, which is a book on tape. Uh, it's fascinating. It's fun. It's it. It's you want it to take up that time. You want to like mm-hmm. soak it all in. Whereas you're watching a fucking movie, you just kind of am like, come on, let's let's keep going here. You know? Yeah, this movie came out at a time when being a uh, slavish slavish i'm not sure how you actually pronounce the word but Mm -hmm. being just a real beholden adaptation like word for word as close as possible to the book was like like it was sort of like i feel like it kind of started with the harry potter movies where there was a lot of like fan demand or audience demand that the movie be as close to the source material as possible. And anyway, the point is, is we were getting a lot of movie adaptations of popular books at this time, like the Harry Potter books with like the notable exception being the third one, but being really, really close. And then this movie uh, was based on a hugely popular book that millions of people bought and read and it comes out and this is verbatim the book. Everything that happens in the book, as far as I can remember, happens in the movie and happens exactly the same way. So it... This I think this really shows the problem of being too faithful of an adaptation because it doesn't allow for changes that are necessary when you're changing from one medium to another. So it's exactly like what you were saying. So the movie completely loses the pace of the book because you can read through those sections a lot more quickly than it takes for, like you were saying, Tom Hanks and Ian McKellen to sit down and have that conversation. Have a slideshow that yeah. he's prepared. Yeah. Like, if your movie has someone doing a slideshow for five minutes, you need to stop and go, wait, maybe I need to change this. And they try. They do try. They do the flashbacks and stuff, which mm-hmm. probably ballooned their budget, frankly. But what they really needed to do is this. I'm pretty sure this movie had an unlimited budget, but yeah. Oh yeah. But like that question. So this is why we picked this movie for our finale. Yeah. What, what did the movie get wrong? If we're asking that question in terms of an adaptation, nothing, the movie technically got nothing wrong. It adapted the book perfectly. Um, which is funny because I, I read that originally it was um, originally adapted to be a season of 24. And Dan Brown was like, no. <laughs> and I understand saying no to that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it was like, that's the thing about it is that this movie perfectly adapted the book. It also made a fuck ton of money and made sequels. So on paper success so then why doesn't anybody like it why do i feel like the parodies of it are going to outlast the actual movie you know what i mean like people are going to know the futurama da vinci episode 
longer than they'll actually know what that's from. Well, and it, Da Vinci Code was almost a parody itself when it came. Like yeah. it's so, it's so corny and so melodramatic, and the puzzles are all so obvious. And like the yeah. the, the conspiracy theory is a is a real hokey one. And yeah, that's, also, it's kind of been around for a little while, and it's, I don't know, it's... I was going to say, anyway. it, it also, let's say, borrows its main idea from the movie Dogma. Uh, sure does. Yeah, and, and it's basically Dogma and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but without action. Um, and so, like, it's and not even any, that original. Without any fun, or without any sense of adventure. Right. So, again, as a book, it's fine. But once you turn into a movie you start realizing like not only the things we're saying, but the other problem is that the actual action of the book, and I don't remember the book enough to uh, know this for sure, but it felt like the action in the book was him knowing it has to be a movie and he has to stick action in it. You know what I mean? But it's not an action story. No. And so when you adapt the action from the book um, faithfully, you get bad action, and as as we already mentioned, basically in the first half, it's them going to a place, solving a puzzle, and having to escape in a car, and that's it. They do it three fucking times. They go to the Louvre, escape in a car. They go to the Swiss uh, bank place, escape in a, uh, I guess, a truck that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to Ian McKellen's house, escape in a car to a plane where they get in a car. <laughs> And it's just like, mm-hmm. we there's nothing here. <laughs> you know what I mean? In terms of the actual well, yeah, th- thriller and action parts. It did. Well, the, in the story, and this is kind of a part, problem with this, the, the book, like none of the action, ha- it, it relates to the actual treasure hunt. It's all this separate storyline right. involving this crazed monk who's on a murderous quest to find the grail. It's very like, it's very like, airport thriller novel action where it's just like they're trying to solve some kind of thing while they're being pursued by somebody. Yeah. But the, 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 one of the big problems is the actual treasure hunt is completely intellectual, uh, which yeah. is totally fine in a book. Cause it, it, it's a perfect place to bring in all this stuff about art history and all these different, you know, the symbology ideas and riddles and word games and stuff like that. That's a it's that, that's not the best most exciting movie. Um, right. So like none There's, of the action yeah. or adventure comes from the treasure hunt. So it's just like they have to be incidentally chased by the cops or by a a guy with a gun to go to the next place to do some more intellectual treasure hunting. Right it's, to just stand there. Right. Um, you don't. It's not like ooh, uh, you know, gotta spell it Jehovah on these tiles. Um, there's no like physical. There's no like oh, you pull this lever or you pull that or you go through this secret passageway. It's none of that. Yeah, it's all like there's not. You don't. They don't actually. And uh, this is the funny thing about it. It is the most grounded a treasure hunt actually would be, right? right. Um, it you wouldn't you wouldn't find a secret passageway. Everything's been found. There wouldn't be working booby traps. It would be like going to a series of like churches that are like half museums, just very old places, and reading some shit on the wall and going like, yeah, it's telling us to now go here. Like mm-hmm. that that would be what's happening, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so, like, that's that's fun. Doesn't make if, the most exciting movie, though. Right, but you you could make something interesting out of that. It's the fact that this movie sells itself as, um, like, a- adventure action. Like, for example, if this was more of a drama that focused on characters, that might be okay. You know what I mean? Characters are non-existent. Yeah, there's like, not I really anything. I couldn't tell you one fucking thing about Robert Langdon. I couldn't right. tell you one thing about Sophie. Like basically, I, yeah. The only the, character who has an identifiable want is Ian McKellen. Right. So, like, when we talk about like, okay, a genre of a movie, right? <laughs> you watch a comedy. What is the thing you're looking for? Laughter, right? That is the point of a comedy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if the characters aren't developed around it as long as it makes you laugh you're like well it's a comedy action again you don't care if vin diesel's character is complex you want to see him jump this stupid car yeah um and that's the point horror you want to be scared and uh, um and of course it's always a bonus if the things around those elements are also good 
So this, this book, what is that thing? Well, that thing is puzzle solving, yeah. nerd history, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about that is then, and so like what that means is that the action, the characters are all the secondary things. And yeah, what we're saying is basically you then translate that to a movie. The problem is that that meat that everybody is there for was never designed to be visually fun. Um, and so you have nothing across the board. It's then suddenly the meat, the thing that everybody's there for is the equivalent of Tom Hanks talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so I wanted to say that like, that's one of the reasons we picked this one is yeah. because uh, like you said, on paper, it seems like a good adaptation because, because it is a verbatim faithful adaptation of the story. But like, it's n- not though, really, because it's just because it's faithfully adapting every word of the novel doesn't necessarily make it a good adaptation because it's not providing the same emotional experience as reading the novel. So, which right. I which I feel like should be more important, right? Yeah. So it's like it's not. Um, I think I think it was just a mistake that gets made a lot. Where it's like, well, this book was very successful, so let's just do exactly what the book has in it. And it's like, well... Yeah, it, that's a different thing, right? Yeah, that's a, a different thing. Movies require different things. And it's just because right. the treasure hunt's so intellectual, and the action is not right. connected to it whatsoever. Like, Tom Hanks never even meets Alfred Molina, as far as I know. And he's like one of the big bad guys in the exactly. movie. It's it's like, you know, when they adapted The Last of Us, they weren't like, oh, okay, so the first game we're going to last like, uh, you know, we're going to make it like five seasons long because we have to have those episodes that are just walking, you know, through a level. Yeah. Like that's got to take up like six episodes, right? Like, they, yeah, you shorten it. You do, you change your adaptation. Um, should we talk about how this holds up? Which is watching it now uh, after all is oh, said and done. man. Um, and I can talk a little bit about things I do like about this movie. Sure. Let's um, hear it. I'm fascinated to know what you enjoy about this movie. Cause to me it was an unbearable slog. Yeah. So one, it's a dad film, which I suspect me and Abe will be talking about it in the future. Um, it's, <laughs> it is uh, pretty maximum it's dad. dad. It's maximum it, dad. It feels like it should have made in the nineties. It's, it's, uh, it's it's got the reverence. <laughs> the, the hero is the guy who's read the most history books. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, most dad. <laughs> it really is. And when he's solving like simple puzzles, they treat it like he's doing something amazing. Yeah. Um. Again, there's like, and then there's the general like reverence for religion while being like edge lord in a way that's also still naive. Where it's like the Catholic Church, man, they hid this, and it's like the Catholic Church is a nightmare. For very real reasons, mm-hmm. uh, just watch, you know, there's other movies about it, such as Spotlight. You know, the, the Catholic Church, there's plenty to say. This isn't it. <laughs> so this is like that real, like, edgelord version yeah. of, like, mm, yeah, they're hiding the truth about, about like, like right. again, like, they're not wrong that the Catholic Church has, uh, I, in the Bible and history in general has, like, downplayed the role of women, obviously. Um, but this is the most simple dad porn version of all that while still having that reverence for like, like the, the Bible ultimately where he has yeah. to kneel at the end, you know? Yeah. And it's the idea of like, let's take this nerd and make him like, uh, like, Oh yeah, here you're like a knight, you know, that's, that's the ending. So it's very dad. Um, I want to talk about, so I appreciate something in this that I think not enough movies do anymore. Uh, Tom Hanks, not an action guy. If they, no. I feel like even if they made this five years later, he'd be played by Chris Pine and no karate, like the Jack Ryan film they made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, he's a helpless nerd. He could get bullied by Ian McKellen in this. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. I laugh really hard. There's a scene where it's in the middle of one of the 18 different long conversations in a dark room uh, scenes yeah. that there are in this movie. And they're in the middle of some holy grail gobbledygook when uh, um, Paul Bettany just like shadow punches his way into the room and pummels Tom Hanks into into dust. 
Yeah. Like, like just chokes him, punches him in the stomach, just beats his ass into the it's ground. It's very funny. And then the rest of the characters have a scene. And then at the end of that scene, <laughs> they help Tom Hanks up off the ground. He's like, rrr, rrr. like, geez, yeah, Tom Hanks, you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. So he's yeah. on the ground wondering if he's going to die. Yeah, in that he, doesn't, he doesn't do any action stuff in this at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> Which is, not it's at very all. funny, and I do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the flip side, I would argue, is that he has zero agency. No, he um, doesn't do anything. Yeah, the entire movie is people saying, come with me. Yeah. And that's it. It really like, is. Like, he just happens to be in Paris doing a book tour when this guy he barely knows is murdered who just happens to leave a message in blood asking for him specifically. So they come get him at his book tour, and then that's just how he's dragged into the story. Right. Um, my God. I got to... Anyway, I got to bring sorry. that up. I had this in my general notes, but I got to bring that up. Uh, the cops, terrible. Uh, not in I like you the were, traditional way. I thought you were telling me what you liked about them. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to talk about both here, I think. Because this is me, like, having not watched this in a while, just, like, things that had occurred to me. Um, because you know what I like about it. It's a stupid, it's a fucking yeah. holy grail. I like, the, the really the one thing is I like that Tom Hanks is kind of a wuss nerd i like uh, you know that's why i like jack ryan the old jack ryan's um but the cops in this are terrible the the beginning offer is uh that uh you know the professional there uh he uh takes tom hanks to the louvre to show him this body and then what sophie reveals is that this guy this dead guy wrote uh tom hanks's name uh, and she's like, they put a tracking dart on you. And she says, like, don't you understand what's happening? He can arrest you and detain for months while he builds a case. And my question is, then why didn't he do that? No idea. <laughs> Shouldn't he have just arrested Tom Hanks? Like, he why is he bringing him to the Louvre? Just take him. He j- just say, hey, I'm detaining you for questioning come to the police station. I don't know why he brought him to the crime scene. <laughs> he, she says he wanted to try to pressure a, a, a confession out of him that right. way, but I don't know. It but doesn't, it's like the whole, then just like show him pictures, right? Like just put him in an interrogation room. The, it's weird. The inciting incident is ridiculous to the point of being parody. It's this old, old man is being chased right. through the Louvre by Paul Bettany gets shot. And then after he's been shot, he scrambles all through the gallery, leaving clues and puzzles and hidden messages on paintings that are far away from each other. Right. Uh, and then collapses naked in his own blood on the ground and draws a bunch of symbols on his own body and then writes a couple of, like, four lines of a message on the ground. Like, he was alive for, like, it seems, I don't know, an hour after he got yeah. shot, like, setting up all yeah. of these clues for the, think- for, the, for the movie. Right. Could you have, like, called someone... Bro, like. it's uh, like it's so silly that watching it this time, I couldn't believe it. I was like, really, oh, yeah. really, nobody this di- this didn't get this. Nobody got hung up on this, huh? When this right. came out, like nobody was like, hey, this is kind of really silly that this old man, this frail old man who's been shot, is just running, sprinting around the Louvre, leaving leaving clues Look. like an Easter egg hunt for Tom Hanks. He's been having elderly fuck orgies for That's decades. true. That's that's oh man, yeah. that's another really wild part of this movie. That Sophie reveals we stopped talking when I, as a, as like a teenager I walked in on one of his old guy fuck orgies with like Satan worshipper types and that's when our relationship right. was strained. Right, like this this is supposed like the noble sect of Christianity <laughs> or whatever that's supposed to be trying to reveal the truth about the nature of Jesus, which is that he had a wife and Mary Magdalene and had children and, and the whole bloodline. But like what they do is they get together and they have masked dungeon sex parties, which yes. is like typically in movies like this is the thing that evil people do. Yes. So they uh, just I mean, kind of like casually reveal that and like nobody really comments on it and we don't return to it. The it's really strange. Is Sophie is a kidnapping victim, right? Like yes. her grand, basically, she's like, I like that. I am the last descendant of Jesus Christ. Overshadows the fact that she has been kidnapped by like a fuck orgy group, right? The way that Hanks, <laughs> and it's like, huh? 
the way that Hanks explains it too, like he finds a bunch of newspaper clippings in or, or the the Grail documents or whatever in the church where the the Mary right. Magdalene's body was supposed to be, and he's like, I don't think that man was your grandfather, and it's all these newspapers of like her and her whole family, and it's like whole family killed an accident, and as he's explaining it to her, it's like it says here that everybody was killed: the mom, the the dad, the brother, and and you, the little girl. Right. And he's like, and and uh, it was maybe it was an accident or. Maybe it wasn't an accident, but this man raised you, and he just moves past that suggestion, right? And it's like, uh, <laughs> like we, you might want to get to the bottom of that. So now, listen, it may or this man may or may not have murdered your entire family, but what's important is that he raised you, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then the the church they're in like makes a phone call, and the entire priory, like the cult, just show up, which is like terrifying in itself. Which is like, oh, okay, so what are they all living like? a couple minutes from this church. Yeah. That's weird and convenient. They all live in it's, tunnels nearby, like an ant farm. Right. It's not a very, again, it's the scene to scene. It's not a very smart movie. There's like some very funny moments. Uh, going back to the cops where Ian McKellen is like, when they land in London and he's like, if you want to stop us, you'll have to shoot us. And that's one of those lines that people say in movies, which I always think like, you know, there's more options, Right. Like, they don't have to shoot you. They can just detain you. That's how that would work. That's how, like, I know they're cops, and, like, it doesn't always feel that way. But, like, it's weird that that would just work, that the cops then would just go, okay, I guess they'll go. We'll let them go. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's very, it's a very silly movie. It's so, that's the other thing I think that doesn't, hold up and was maybe a mistake in in the adaptation is that it's so it's so self-serious like it's the most it's the most self-important like it really treats this this gobbledygook um, like it's like the most important secret truth of the universe and i guess everybody is like maximum gravitas in every scene they're like whatever is being discussed in that scene is the most it's the heaviest most significant conversation they've ever had it's just it's so melodramatic right and i think it's important to note just like i i said that uh dan brown did a good job at like making it feel intelligent through storytelling it it can't be uh overstated it's not well written in general and no, what I mean is, not. like, it's not just, like, I love the line um, when he's talking about Isaac Newton being banned from the church, and how the church ha- hates him, and he goes, gravity, for God's sakes. <laughs> I was like, wait, were they mad about gravity? <laughs> That's just very funny to me, the idea that the church would be mad that someone discovered gravity. Um, may- I mean, maybe that's true, but that's just a funny line. But I want to mainly uh, point out Ian McKellen's plan is nonsense, right? I feel like there's been at least one cracked article about this. Uh, it's like the Joker's plan, where right, that if you impossible. try to, yeah. yeah, if you try to figure out like how it happened, it's 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 madness. He he by pure coincidence, he even says it. Uh, Robert and Sophie show up at Ian McKellen's house so he can be a British edge lord. Also, his entire character is I'm British. Look how British I am. Yep. Um, and, uh, like, he's just not well-written. But then, so, like, okay, if that wasn't his plan, what was the plan, I guess? Because he was, like, calling the church to pretend to be teacher, and then he has his driver be part of it, and then he pays his driver, but also poisons his driver. But also poisons him with a very tiny flask. Right, and the question, of course, is, like, how were you going to get the cryptex originally? Because... I think he planned it, on. I think Silas was supposed to get it from. Was supposed was to, supposed like, get, to get it from from Tom Hanks and uh, Amelie. Um, right. Yeah. I guess that checks. But out. But they just came to his house. So. Yeah, it's a very stupid. It's just like yeah. a very stupid series of events um, that are very like weird and convenient. Yeah. Um, and it's just that's a silly fucking movie, which again is partially why I like it because I'm la- I'm not laughing with it. I'm I'm enjoying it because it's stupid. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> it's like, just man it, it's one of those movies the more you think about it like in that flashback the grandpa like screams at her by the way for looking trying to find out about her family yeah so not only is she a kidnapping victim but he's like weird and violent about it too yeah. it seems no he definitely murdered her family so that yeah. he could kidnap oh, yeah. the 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 greatest granddaughter of jesus or whatever how many great yeah. greats it is um it's fucking wild this man this movie it's so just it it feels so like watching this movie was like a, a window into a time i had forgotten about like it like I, I was like it like it i found myself transported back to the year 2006 which is one of the darkest right. years of films <laughs> <laughs> right that's part of it too is this was like as good as it gets then it was a like bleak this- there's a bleak couple of years in the mid-aughts where we haven't even said just- this is a ron howard film starring tom hanks just the supporting cast could be their own movie this like- is this was kind of the the beginning of sort of ron howard's kind of decline isn't it Right. I'm just saying, like, there's so much talent in this. Oh, yeah. Um, to make, like, such a basic fucking piece of shit. I know. That's that's so telling about it, too. You can really tell what a phenomena it was just by looking at what this production is. It's like these Tom right. Hanks is, like, the most famous leading man at the, you know, at the time. And Audrey Tattoo from, uh, you know, just blew up from Amelie. And it's like Ron Howard's this major filmmaker. It, it's like they, they, this was clearly positioned to be like the biggest movie of the year. Right. Um, I do have uh, one final thing on the terms of how it holds up. And I think we haven't mentioned this and it is a very big detail. In my opinion, I think this is why this movie will be lost and why it was sensational at the time. And then like almost immediately disappeared. This was what? 2006, right? Yeah. It technically isn't. But this movie feels pre-internet. And what I mean by that is like it was still early internet. And I, I think that's a big part of all of this, which is that like it's, it's, it feels smarter because one, people can't just look this shit up. And, and two, like it was before people just knew things. And like the, the beginning slideshow where he's just like, did you know, you know, the swastika wasn't originally hate symbol. My thought was like, yeah, I'm on TikTok too, bro. Like, it, it, yeah, like everybody knows this shit these days. You know, everybody knows these like, oh, these symbols. Were oh, also his, this. Yeah, Hanks' yeah. opening slideshow is so right. embarrassing. Like it's supposed to be all these like, gotcha, like get, turning people's. Um, right. Um Devil's assumptions on their it's heads. also poseidon it's but it was like, also yeah. like clearly poseidon's trident like it, it right. clearly was a trident and not a pitchfork like right. it's, it was that's man what a that was a real particularly embarrassing sequence yeah but it's even worse i think nowadays where like the internet that those just shit people know because of the internet it's just like the the uh, the smartness of this is so superficial that like it's the equivalent of a tiktok video um now so like i can see at the time people feeling like ooh, very impressive but now in the world of like infinite knowledge it's so fucking quaint um and then of course with the catholic church stuff it's just like quaint and naive you know but it's being told in this really like edgy like can you believe it we're so smart voice that it's like kind of embarrassing you know yeah it very very much so yeah there's also the, it has like kind of a very, there's a certain like score that was popular at the time. So like the score of this film feels really dated to me, feels very mid aughts. It's, it's a lot, it's very similar to the yeah. Dark Knight score. Yeah. It's like the, the more gentler Dark Knight score. Yeah. Like less percussions, I want to say. And it's, man, there's just, this was not a great time for movies. And no. this, this movie feels it's just watching it feels like an unanswerable trivia question. Like it's all this stuff that my brain had swept into a corner years ago, suddenly having the lights put on it again. And it's like, Oh man, that's right. I remember this book was a phenomenon and this like movie was everywhere. And like this is kind of right. like what movies like this were like back then. Right. Yeah. For all you kids, uh, you didn't know what it was like. You didn't know what this time was like, but it was a dark time. It was a dark time for watching movies. It really was. Yeah. 
it Oish, was uh, this is yeah <laughs> this movie sucks <laughs> like you could you could argue that this is part of why everything's nostalgia now which is like the 2000s were like trying to make i mean don't get me wrong they had plenty of remakes and sequels and shit sure every but like does yeah, but I feel like it might it must have helped a little bit where we're like, yeah, everything sucks. <laughs> everything new sucks. We need to go back. Um yeah. Uh, it's just it's this is I think an instance where the adaptation would have been better served straying from the source material a little bit. Honestly, just <laughs> make make it another national treasure. Sure. Just Nicolas Cage. Just they should have made Nicolas Cage. I uh, or make it its own thing. Still, just cast Nicolas Cage. He had the haircut for Next. Remember Next? He had yeah, the haircut. Mm-hmm. He could have just jumped from Next to this movie. Just brought his magician hair with him. Yeah, yeah. it would have been fine. Would have been a great film. Yeah, we would have loved it. National Treasure is a goofy movie, and it's corny too. But it, like it, it. Like it, ha- it actually has the action and adventure that is related to the treasure hunt, and it's also it. It's not the most serious movie. It's not doesn't take itself right. seriously. It's also, like it's it ha- yeah, it's stupid, but it knows it's stupid. So like you don't care that the puzzles right. are it's, dumb. You it's know, fun. Yeah, it's this this movie isn't any fun to watch. It's just such. It, I can't it really. It really seriously is just them going from one dark room to another dark room to have a 15 minute conversation. Like this movie yeah. is intolerable. Right. When you think about like, okay, what is the um, third act? What is the big finale? The big finale is Ian McKellen uh, just falling over. Yep. <laughs> and the cops come in and go, that's the guy. <laughs> that's it. That's the finale mm-hmm. of the like the big and and then we do the winding down stuff. The, um, the, it's just that's, like, the, that's the other thing I wanted to call out is uh, uh, Ian McKellen gets busted at like the two hour mark. There's still thirty minutes of movie left after right. that. And that yeah, that's all the winding down. Paul Bettany, the biggest villain, is like Tom Hanks. He doesn't. I don't think he even knows what happened to that guy. No, we never. Yeah, he never. Like <laughs> he's it, gonna read about it later and go, "Oh, I guess that guy was shot by the cops." He gets shot by <laughs> like, the cops after accidentally shooting Alfred Molina, who was the guy kind of pulling Paul Bettany strings. But like we said earlier, like Tom Hanks and Alfred Molina never meet. Right. So like Tom Hanks doesn't come out of this really knowing what happened or having again helped make it happen. Uh, like. He's just, he is, so it's, it's, that's what's weird about it. He's the equivalent of like the tech guy in most movies mm-hmm. who like has the brains, but isn't like doing the stuff, right? Right. When, when, whenever you make a movie like this, what they normally do, Indiana Jones or National Treasure or Uncharted, they make it so that the brain guy is also the guy who punches people. Um, and the reason they do that is so you can have a protagonist that like does things does the does things and that's see here's the thing about this movie they could have still figured it out um they they if they had made sophie a badass because that's the other problem is that you have okay sophie she's the one doing things but she still doesn't defeat paul bettany no like that like you could like have like it's their story so, like, I don't know, but make it so that she's the person who does the action side, you they're, know? They're both so passive. Like, they're, yes. they're, they're both essentially the same character, and it drives me crazy. Like, they don't, they yeah. don't, they have no personality. Like, right. they don't, they don't have really any agency. They just sort of, like, drift from scene to scene in this movie. It's... It's really bad. It's very bad. <laughs> and, and it's like that in the book, too, kind of. So, it's like... Again, sometimes you got to make some changes. Right. You got to understand that you're making a movie now. Yeah. And movies have to feel a certain way and yeah. honestly have a certain structure to them. Um, because like, as you said, the ending, it's like, okay, I get that's how it happened in the book. What most people would do is merge it so that like that fight at the end would be like at the church. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at the final church where she's learning she's Jesus Christ. Then you'd have the bad guy come in. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Like that's how you would do that. Is it accurate to the book? No. Is it, it's it's just it's m- more interesting um, for what you're making because the I think the first thing they had to accept that they couldn't is that they weren't making a smart story. They were making a junk treasure hunt story, but yeah. they were treating it like it's really smart, and therefore they have to keep to the source material. And it's like I I don't know how to tell you this. But it's not that smart. It just isn't. So just make it fun, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's this it's movie not. is the least fun. Th- oh man! All right, we don't need to. Yeah. I think I think we've covered this well and good. I think we nailed it. I yeah. think this was a perfect finale. Do we need some sort of like twist or like big? Because this is the finale. Are we gonna? Do we die? What's go? What happens now? I mean, we will eventually if we leave this thing recording for long enough. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. So we could do um, that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we could. Let's. Uh, what's a good finale? Um, um, well, we thank Grumblebee. Well, we thank producer. Grumblebee for sure. Maybe one day somebody will a- adapt this podcast miniseries into a film. Oh yeah, that I like that. What um, what would you what would you call it? I guess bad adaptations. Probably bad adaptations. Yeah. Who'd you why, be why, why, Who you want to why be change by? why change what's already been proven to work? I know I just spent an hour arguing against that, but Right. Well, dibs on being played by Tom Hanks with the hair. Oh, I'll just be played by me, but with AI. Sure. Oh yeah, AIS. Yeah. Fuck. Uh someone could plug all our podcasts into AI and I feel like you'd get something out of it. Um it wouldn't Some, be good, but you get something. Probably already doing that. Oh, I hope. Um but yeah, thank you, Grumblebee. Thank you. Uh, this this was through our our well, you know what? Thank you so much, Grumblebee. This is the finale, after all. It's true. Just a big yeah. shout out. Um, this was yeah, a this, this was a fun, interesting show to do, and and hopefully we settled yeah. on a what we thought was an interesting final episode pick. Hopefully, you guys uh, thought the same. Yeah, even though it's ugh, it's not Vinci, a good movie. The Da Vinci Code. My God. Yeah. Um, this was through our Patreon, patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed, G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y, unemployed. Uh, we have exclusive podcasts on there, like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and Spielboys. Uh, we, we, again, have all these tiers, including custom podcasts, custom we just watched, a tier where you can watch movies with us. We will not be watching this movie uh, because it's boring, Yeah, but uh, check it out if you haven't. I was going to say we might, but then I remembered it's two and a half hours long and very dull. Uh, yeah. that, that usually kills the momentum of a movie night. Um, we also have a store. Head over to GameFleetEmployed.com where we f- you'll find a link to our Teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs. You can get on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, posters, all sorts of things. So slap your little anagram codexed peepers onto that. Yeah. With with your your peepers weird quasi mullets mm-hmm. his pro- mm-hmm. his professorial mullet yep god it's a it's a it's a smart mullet yeah it's an intellectual mullet right it's unwilling to commit to the full mullet but right. it's it's willing to commit to enough of the mullet that you can't respect the person it's real dirtbag hair it it'd be really, really is. funny he should have spent the whole movie trying to bum cigarettes off of people like that would have been just a good like detail like dirtbag oh, yeah, dirtbag like he should have been kind of a dirt bag, just drinking PBR and shit. It's like '80s comedian hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. They should have given him a leather some jacket. Real, some real Dennis Miller hair. God damn! Remake this movie. Don't change a thing. Just make the character a dirt bag. <laughs> <laughs> An intellectual, like he's like stealing shit from Ian McKellen's place. You know? Hell yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Stealing his teacups. Yeah, taking just horrible dumps in his bathroom. True or false, it's proper to have milk yeah. or lemon with your tea. <laughs> just pocketing so them. Yeah, he's the most British dude alive in this movie. It's crazy. Uh, it's a stupid movie. It's a real piece of shit. Let's be done with it. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.